Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Matters Podcast. My name is PJ Patterson and today's topic is green and ESG investing. Over the last few months, I've had a number of clients asking me about green investing and ESG investing as well. So first of all, let's just define what those two things actually are. So green investing would be um, investing for, I suppose, planet Earth, investing in things like solar power, wind, battery, power electric vehicles, lithium, perhaps, uh, anything that, uh, nuclear is another is another one, uh, anything that is perceived by an investor to be good for the planet, uh, reducing, mainly I think it's in the reduction of CO2 and in uh, maybe the reduction of harmful pollutants and things that go out into the atmosphere. So that's kind of generally green investing. And um, that's a broad definition. So if you don't agree with that, that's that's fine. But that's a very broad and general definition. ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. And ESG investing really has to do with um, companies are now rated on and they're given an ESG score. They're rated in each of those areas, how they are on the environment, how they are. Uh, in the social um, paradigm, and then also how they are in terms of corporate governance. And some people like to invest in companies that have very high ESG ratings, and some people want to stay away from those. And um, so broadly, I think people are more concerned about the climate change issue and investing in companies that are purported to be good for the environment. Probably a, a little bit less on the ESG, but that is becoming much more of a thing these days. And I think um, my take on it is this. It's become kind of fashionable to say to people, well, you know, I'm a green investor. or I invest in companies that don't harm the environment. Or um, it could even go as far as saying I I don't invest in industries like gambling or tobacco or arms, uh, weapons, that type of thing, Uh, or big oil or, or any of those any of those sorts of areas where there's a perception that it's harmful somehow to the planet and uh, either through uh, harming other people directly, weapons manufacturer would be a great example of that, or uh, indirectly, uh, for example, say you wanted to stay away from a coal uh, mine because you knew that the coal was going to be burned and as such adding to the CO2 in the atmosphere. My take on all this is I'm pretty agnostic about the asset classes that I invest in. As I said a moment ago, I used the word fashionable. I think it's become a little bit fashionable for people to say that they're investing in this way or that their portfolios don't have this stuff in it. Um, My first challenge on that would be to say, actually, it's very hard to know in the modern portfolio unless you have chosen every single stock that's uh, in your portfolio. And let's face it, that's unlikely for most people. Then it's likely that some of that stuff is in there. Not a lot of it, I'm sure, but uh, because a lot of fund managers now are getting on that bandwagon as well. The second thing I would challenge people on is the reality that, unfortunately, we do live in an oil and coal-based economy. And the reason for that, of course, it has to do with our cars and how we power our homes. In most parts of the world, we cannot move from point A to point B 
without either putting petroleum, some form of petroleum product in a vehicle, whether it be even a bus that's running down the road or natural gas that goes into natural gas, obviously isn't petroleum, but natural gas would be a fossil fuel, uh, into a bus or uh, into our cars. And coal is used primarily in power production. So if we flip on the light switch in our home, it's because we have electricity that's generated, generally speaking, uh, by coal. Now, nuclear is also in, in the mix here, and I think that's one of the greenest energies around, funnily enough. Uh, a lot of people don't like nuclear for some reason, but it, it's actually one of the safest and lowest emission form of energy or power production, electricity generation. Um, but again, <clears throat> the reality is our global economy is based on oil. That is not going to go away anytime soon, regardless of how many battery farms or wind farms or solar farms we put in place. We just don't have the capability right now, the technology, to replace the oil and coal-based economy. Now, we could have a debate about all of that. I'm sure there are some uh, people out there who feel that we could do that. And I think it's, it's an admirable thing for us to strive towards is having a planet where we don't have to burn fossil fuels to generate power. I don't see that happening in my lifetime. I'm 51 uh, at the moment. Well, I will be 51 in nine days. Um, at the time I'm recording this, it's June the 1st of 2022. And uh, I, I can't see that happening in my lifetime. Now, maybe in my children's lifetime, that, that is uh, quite possible, but it's going to require a lot of technological advancement. So. Um, that's another reason I suppose people might want to be investing in green technologies or their, the perception that they're investing in green technologies because as more capital flows into those industries, it means that they're able to continue research and development and ultimately uh, hope, hopefully having a breakthrough of some sort where we can have a lot of power generation from something like even a fusion technology or hydrogen or, or whatever. But I want to talk probably about more specifically now about as myself as a portfolio manager, one of the reasons why I wouldn't, and I've had this conversation with a client, where I wouldn't try to invest solely and specifically in this type of um, asset sector. And the reason for that is because a lot of these companies right now, uh, because it's become so fashionable in recent years, a lot of these companies are still in startup phase and in the real capital intensive phase of their businesses. So they're still building out infrastructure. They're still trying to get a business model that actually returns profits. And uh, let's face it, that's why we invest. Uh, we do invest for a return on our investment at some point. And uh, a lot of these companies, sadly, in this day and age, are not going to survive because they don't have good business models. They're subsidized by the government, which means that they're heavily, heavily reliant for their survival on uh, the government giving them some form of subsidy. Uh, they, a lot of them don't make money. Uh, not, every, not every one of them, of course, but many of these companies don't make money. And um, lastly, they're all subject to, all companies are subject to the full investing cycle or the business cycle. And uh, right now, as you know, I, um, I use uh, the model that Hedgeye uses, the quadrant model, the four quads. Uh, quads one and two being good, three and four being not so good, and we are in a global quad four. And typically, in a global quad four, in a quad four environment, small cap equities don't do very well. Equities in general don't do very well, and certainly, uh, companies like 
uh, solar or wind or any of these sorts of companies, uh, unless they have proven and stable revenue streams where they might be paying some sort of dividend, then it's unlikely that they're going to do very well in that environment. And so when I get asked the question by a client, uh, can we invest part of our portfolio in green energy uh, or green tech or, or any of that sort of stuff? Uh, the first thing I will do is I will look at where are we in the full cycle? And if we are in a quad one or quad two environment, then the answer will invariably be yes, we can have a look at that. There's some great ETFs out there that invest in green energies and alternatives and um, planet saving tech that you can invest in that will, I, I dare say, do reasonably well during a quad one or quad two environment. But if we're in a quad three or quad four environment as we are now, a quad four, I would be saying absolutely not. And the reason is you just, again, can't really invest in equities in, uh, in that sort of environment where the market is, um, is experiencing a downturn, earnings are falling, etc. Um, the thing I say to them to do instead, which I think is how we should approach green investing, it is that we have ultimately the capacity to influence what we do in our immediate, uh, in our immediate environment. So I'm talking about your home, your neighbors, friends in your network, your community. And I'll just share with you some of the things that I've done, because I believe that we have to look after the planet. There, there's no doubt about that. But it starts with myself, me, as an individual taking responsibility for that, influencing my family, and then hopefully influencing people around me. So a couple of things that I do, and, and if you're doing these, fantastic. If you're not, then give it some thought. Uh, hopefully you have the capability to do this. Uh, I put solar panels on my roof about five or six or seven years ago. Uh, it doesn't generate a heap of power, and we do get some input credits for that. But again, it is a small part in helping reduce our energy consumption uh, at the home level. And hopefully I'll be able to expand that or upgrade as, as solar panels get more efficient uh, and, and upgrade what I've got. The second thing, of course, you can do uh, that I do is, is try to conserve energy at home. So taking shorter showers, you've heard all these things before, take shorter showers, put LED bulbs in all your lights around the house, turn lights off if you're leaving a room, these sorts of things. Um, every little bit, I think every small percent incremental uh, change that I make in my behavior and my family's behavior ultimately adds up to a big difference overall. Things like composting, and we have a garden at home. So I started a garden. We do grow some food. It's not great for growing food. It's uh, very hard to get the time to do that. Uh, having said that, we do compost all of, our, all of our organic matter at home. So I have a couple of compost bins, and we, um, we make sure that we don't want to put those uh, compostable, compostable materials into the landfill. And would instead, uh, instead I compost them, get the worms going, uh, have some very nice soils for our garden, et cetera. Um, driving less is another big one. So um, making fewer trips or carpooling uh, where possible. Now, I've had the capability of, of having an office that is close to my home, so I don't have to travel for work very far, which is great. I get that not everyone can do that. But in this day and age now, post-COVID, of course, there's a lot of work from home uh, arrangements, things like that. So there's a number of things that you can do to impact the planet and be a green 
investor without running the risk of investing in companies that are not going to perform over the long term and potentially destroy your wealth. Anyway, I hope that's been insightful. I hope you've got some ideas out of that. Uh, again, this is the Money Matters podcast. Thank you for joining me. My name is PJ Patterson, and I'll see you on the next episode.